This podcast was funded in part by the UK Arts Council. Welcome to In-House, the podcast about creativity and confinement. My name's Will Hood and today's interview is with Phil. Hello. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Uh, Will, how's it going, man? Phil is 38 years old and had worked extensively in the music industry before serving a sentence of three and a half years. He met in-house near the end of his time in prison and was sufficiently impressed with the label to stay in touch with them after he left. He now runs an events company which is managing to prosper despite the COVID pandemic and he's been producing artists on the in-house label. He's clearly got a great ear for the presentation of other people's songs and a contagious love for the pursuit of well-produced music. My name's Phil, I'm 38, producer, DJ, live engineer, also work in lighting, ended up with a little sentence, well, uh, three and a half hour on licence, and uh, met in-house in Rochester and uh, stayed in touch with him on the outside. The track that you sent over, uh, yep. the one that you've produced with Beats, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so we had him on the podcast way back at the beginning. I think he's episode two. Yeah, he's quite a cool character. He's uh, super cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so tell me about meeting him. When did you meet him? Uh, how did that collaboration come about? I popped down to Brighton, um, in his new office down there. Um, Beats was there. I'd got my laptop and a sound card with me, so yeah, we'd set a mic and recorded him down there. Okay, what? Well, so you actually um, recorded him in the in-house office? Yeah. Ah, okay, that's yeah. crazy. It sounds great for that, man. Yeah, it took a bit of EQing and, uh, you know, a few little tricks of the trade techniques to get the vocals out and clean, but uh, it's still only a rough cut as well, so don't judge it too much. It was a bit of a funny one, actually, because we recorded him at, I think he was set at about 1.38 on the BPM. Okay. And as soon as we recorded him and I asked him what direction he wants to take the track, he said drum and bass. <laughs> So it was, uh, it was a bit of a challenge getting it to where it was. It's hard to find that sort of raw, crucial kind of soul that comes out of people. It's, uh, yeah, it's a brave thing to do, man, because not many people would be able to kind of stand there and open up like that. So. Uh, uh, effectively telling your story through music it's yeah I don't think I'd do it that's why I sit behind the desk these days just record brave is a really good word for it I think that's that's what it is it's um, I, I think that's been my experience is that I've watched some of these guys uh, sing what I would find like to be painful confessions you know to sing in front of people that I didn't know or whatever I mean it's incredibly brave yeah, I mean, I've been doing sound for well, as long as I can remember now. And every time I pick that microphone up, if I'm standing behind my desk, I'm fine. If I'm on the stage, stage fright kicks in and I just, I can't do it. Really? Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I can, I can bark orders from front of the house or side of stage and no issues at all. The second you've got to step out on stage and, 
you know, ring out a mic or something like that. So, yeah, it's a bit daunting. So, <laughs> even after all these shows. So, what's going on there, do you think? I don't know, to be honest. It's just, uh, yeah, fear of getting it wrong, I suppose. How did you come to meet the in-house lot tell me what was going on with you at the time and the difference that they made to your situation yeah so I um, ended up with a jail sentence um, met in-house sort of towards the end of my sentence I'd say um, at Rochester um, there's a guy called Ren sort of met him on the wing and he said oh yeah there's this project going on called in-house records you know, they bring a couple of laptops in blah 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 and teach people how to produce and xyz um knew that i was a bit of a producer and sound engineer myself so kind of went from there i'm constantly amazed at just how many people there are orbiting the in-house scene you know at the the label um and just quite how much talent there is there. Explain to me the appeal of that. What is it about in-house that has made you stay in touch? I don't know. I just thought Jude was a cool guy. And, uh, yeah, we, we got on inside. And he um, said to me as I was leaving, you know, make sure you stay in touch. Look us up when you get out. Um, so just out of courtesy for what he'd done for us while we was in. Uh, looked him up when I got out. Yeah, I mean, for someone to sort of give their own time and turn up on a, a non-profit set-up organisation where he's not really making anything out of what he's doing apart from the joy of doing it, to, uh, to turn up inside a prison and bring all this kit. One of the, the points or, or the objectives of in-house, if it was to be boiled down to a single statement, it's to reduce re-offending, right? Um, yeah. I'm wondering for somebody that works in the music industry um, and has seen all the different uh, things that people get out of it, do you think that music like that can act as an, a type of agent for change? You know, can it have a positive effect on people? Certainly opens your eyes to when you get out, you could, you know, maybe get into the music game or push your career a bit further or. I mean, I guess that's what they're trying to do with the whole in-house project anyway. It's, you know, if you can open up somebody's mind like that in a short space with a few chords to, you know, this is where you was and this is where you could be. It's, um, yeah, it's a powerful thing. Something that's come up a lot before with other um, interviews is this idea of, of time that actually on the outside time is something you never have enough of right yeah uh yet in prison i suspect it's perhaps the opposite and that you actually have um too much of it (sighs) yeah i mean do you have any thoughts about that like what what what's going on there and um and what did that mean to you when you were going through it i mean three 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 and a half years away seemed like an absolute eternity and i've been out now for um um just under two and it's flown by life from the outside definitely moves a lot quicker than it does on the in so how old were you when you started your three year sentence Phil I was 30 
Okay. So if you had the opportunity to talk to the younger version of yourself before you went inside, what kind of advice would you give to him? Um, don't grow weed. <laughs> don't do it on an industrial scale and don't get caught. <laughs> um, yeah. I appreciate the honesty of that answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I just, um, yeah, there's a, a bigger picture in life, you know, you can just stay away from that line. Yeah, it's all fun and games at the time, but when they finally catch up with you, and they will, because the police are just too clever these days anyway. It's not just you, your life that you kind of ruin, it's everyone else around you as well. I mean, my wife and my son's had to put up with it, family. And... Okay, so you, um, how old was your son when you went in? Um, he was eight, I think. Okay. That must have been tough for both of you, but I um, mean, imagine um, you being away from him when he was at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it all kind of hit home. I'd got out the day before his 12th birthday. Okay. And, uh, I remember my wife saying to me, Do you realise you've been away for a third of his life? And that was a bit of a, well, okay, time to get my head down and, uh, yeah. I do drugs, he said, I can't stop, I can't hack it without I've worn them out The cookie smiles again The cookie smiles again The cookie smiles again and again so if, if you hadn't have had uh, in-house to occupy your time um, in the way that it did, what difference do you think that would have made to you? Um, I can kind of write music without having the controls and stuff in front of me. You know, different drum patterns, you could scribble down on a bit of graph paper. Um, knowing how to drum anyway and just tapping away on bits and pieces and constantly fidgeting. I could write music on a blank piece of paper. Um, certain colours are like certain bass lines and different scribbles represent different things. So, to be honest, I'm still working my way through the book of ideas that I had while I was away, but it was a definite bonus being able to to jump onto a, a physical computer and get your ideas out. Okay, so that's really fascinating to me. So you're, you're talking about a book of ideas that you were writing when you were in your cell. Uh, and you're describing a relationship between colours and musical ideas. Like, uh, describe that a little bit more for me. So, I don't know whether it was always there or it just came because of looking at a, a gridded drum pattern, for instance. You know, you can sort of count 32 individual squares and you know that you're going to get four drops out of that. You know, you can build stuff up in blocks of four. It's tapping away on a desk, you might come across a little pattern and think, oh, you know, I've never played that before, that sound quite cool with a kick or, you know, kind of roll the snare off a little bit more and just trying to find a way of almost creating notation without having electronics or instruments around you. Okay, that's super cool. So you're really talking about uh, using your own notation to write these things down, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
So you're saying you got a book full of, of these scribbles of your own um, ideas? Yeah, I mean, some of it you can't make head or tail of, but uh, <laughs> it clearly meant something at the time. You've, you've just blown uh, it open now. You had me believing that you were some kind of uh, no, no, mastermind. I'm a, uh, a musical genius. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's crazy that you're holding that in your head. I find that really fascinating to, um, to produce without the equipment. That is, um, that's a really fascinating idea, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time away, and uh, yeah, keeps your brain active. What about the colours, though? Is it's like, because I, I kind of relate a little bit to what you're saying with that. Like different um, keys for me have. I guess it's kind of colours, but they have a different atmospheres around them. I mean, people talk. Um, I think when these this phenomenon is extreme they call it synesthesia have you ever heard that you know when your senses yeah. get mixed up is it a little bit like yeah. that yeah kind of I guess it's like I mean I do lights as well and I was doing lights as well as audio before I went to jail so um, yeah you've always you know you can kind of set the mood in the club just by the colour of the lights that you're using mm. so you know DJs definitely make the best lighting engineers because you read the music as it's coming you know you understand where the drops are and where the build-ups are and you can kind of toy with colors and, and emotions to get you know the atmosphere going in the club anyway so it was um i guess it all stems back from that if somebody is listening to this and and they want to meet a producer like you you know they've got ideas what advice would you give them for developing as an artist um, just don't give up I mean if I could go back and change anything I'd, I'd have probably learned a lot more on the theory side of stuff before getting into producing so as boring as it seems it's definitely well worth doing okay you mean theory as far as how music uh, is harmonically put together yeah like m- music theory definitely you, helps a lot with the production these days so you would um, if you uh, were talking to yourself as a younger man you would say uh, immerse yourself and, and learn some of the fundamentals around music theory yeah 100% definitely study a lot more theory yeah get your head around that so, and uh, yeah go from there I mean, I started in the music game when I was I was still at school. I was 15, and I went and bought my first set of decks. Um, and I mean, there's loads of DJs. Everyone's doing it these days. Not many of them play final these days, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of them about. But uh, back then, it wasn't. There was there was no one at all around. I mean, I remember going into Richardson and buying my first set of decks, and. Uh, even the guy behind the counter is, you know, sort of saying, are you sure you want to buy these? Like, <laughs> so what what year are we in now then? Oh, gosh. Uh, 97, 98. Okay, okay. And, and how old were you then? Um, now you're asking. <laughs> I, I was around the sort of 16. Okay, okay. So do you remember what it was at that age that you were listening to or, or had an influence on you where you thought, I need a bit of that, I want to be that guy? Strictly jungle, mate. Drum and bass. Um, yeah. Big heavy B lines. Uh, huge aiming brakes. Yeah. One of the hardest styles, supposedly, to play. So that's where I was going. 
Nice. So were you frequenting um, kind of warehouse raves, that type of thing? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'd um, got my decks and learned how to mix and then um, built a small sound system that slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger and um, ended up running with the name Chronic Sounds, getting involved in the squat party scene and, you know, field parties and warehouse parties and... Uh, yeah, there was just nothing better than taking your rig out and making a load of noise. White light, high rise. She just wanna get high, kiss on your guy. For tonight. What are your hopes for the for the future going forward? Um, either musically or, or business-wise. I mean, let's start with with music. As far as you as a producer or a creator of music. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to. Uh, have someone like, uh, you know, one of the major labels knock the door and say, right, how do you fancy a, a record deal? Here's a couple of million quid, retire yourself off and just sit down and produce. But uh, Okay, that that's you know, the it, dream, is it? <laughs> it'd be nice, yeah. But if not, you know, it's kind of like a lifelong hobby anyway, so um, I don't think I'll ever stop. Let's see what tomorrow brings. All right, man. Um... I think there's there's loads in there, Phil. I really appreciate you sharing all of that with me. Good luck with everything. Um, I'm pleased yep. that you're so busy, and I'll definitely come check out the operation. Cool. Look forward to it. All right, mate. All right, mate. Take it easy. Thanks for your time again. All right. Cheers, all. Bye. Cheers. Bye. To find out more about the world's only prison-run record label, go to inhouserecords.org. That's all one word, inhouserecords.org. And if you'd like to hear more of these interviews, please hit subscribe if you can on whatever platform you use for podcasts. The In-House Podcast is an APA production for In-House Records.